Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Whether you're in a meeting, a class, or trying to practice, it's pretty normal for your attention to wander and to have difficulty focusing on the task at hand at times. But for those with ADHD, controlling attention and staying on task can be a more frustrating and pervasive challenge, a challenge that can interfere with learning in the practice room as well as the classroom. So what are the implications for optimizing practice? Should practice sessions be longer or shorter? And do these implications apply only to folks with an ADHD diagnosis or to all practicers in general? If it sounds like we're about to dive into research on ADHD, you're totally right. But stick with me as I think you'll find that it's worthwhile and relevant whether you have ADHD or not. So at first glance, getting more practice repetitions sounds like a good thing, right? And generally speaking, sure, when done right, more repetitions can lead to improved learning of a skill. But this is actually a really nuanced aspect of effective learning, and there can't be such a thing as too many repetitions. Because at some point, we begin to get fatigued mentally and or physically, which can lead to a drop in the effectiveness of our practice sessions. And it seems that long, repetitive practice sessions might be especially unproductive for folks with ADHD, largely because the impulse control issues associated with ADHD can make it difficult to stay vigilant about the effectiveness of one's practice, which can lead to mindless repetition, making for a low-quality practice session and a lot of incorrect repetitions, which only reinforces errors and bad habits. To explore this further, a team of researchers recruited 32 female college students to participate in a simple motor learning study. 16 of the participants had been formally diagnosed with ADHD, but were not medicated. The other half of the participants had never been diagnosed or thought to have ADHD. All 32 participants went through the same testing and training process. Specifically, they were taught a finger-tapping sequence, kind of like practicing the fingering of a passage on the table or in the air, and then they got three warm-up repetitions, followed by a test to establish a baseline level of performance. The task sounds pretty simple, but the test was a little more challenging. Because while the task of tapping one's fingers in a particular sequence might not be that difficult, the tests involved tapping out the sequence as rapidly and accurately as possible for 30 seconds. The more finger taps in 30 seconds, the greater their speed score, The more mistakes they made, the lower their accuracy score. 
So after the initial baseline test, participants were given 80 practice repetitions to learn the sequence. This practice session was followed immediately by another test to see how much they improved as a result of practicing, and to see how well their practice gains would stick, they were tested again 24 hours later and two weeks after the training session. In addition to the study of an 80 repetition practice session, the researchers also conducted an identical study in which the practice session was twice as long, 160 practice repetitions instead of 80. They were curious to see if there would be any differences in test performance between these two groups. As in, would more practice lead to better performance or worse performance? And would the results be the same for both ADHD and non-ADHD participants? Well, let's take a look at the 80 rep study first. When it came to the speed part of performance, as in how many times could participants perform the correct fingering sequence in a 30-second span of time, both the ADHD and non-ADHD groups improved over the course of practice and retained this improvement when tested 24 hours after their practice session. And when it came to accuracy, as in how many fingering mistakes did participants make as they increased speed, both the ADHD and non-ADHD groups improved over the course of practice and retained their improved accuracy at the 24-hour test as well. So what happened in the study where participants practiced twice as much? Well, when it came to speed, both the ADHD and non-ADHD participants improved over the course of 160 practice repetitions. And how much of an extra boost to performance did participants gain from the additional practice time? Well, pretty much none. Both the ADHD and non-ADHD participants' speed gains were about the same whether they did 80 repetitions or 160. And when it came to accuracy, the shorter 80-rep practice session was actually better than the longer 160-rep practice session, because as they began increasing the speed of their performance, the ADHD participants who did 160 practice reps actually made more fingering mistakes and were less accurate on both the tests that followed practice and the tests 24 hours later, whereas the ADHD participants who did only 80 practice reps made fewer fingering mistakes and were more accurate when tested after practice and on the following day, just like their non-ADHD peers. Overall, they did make slightly more errors than the non-ADHD participants, but the shorter session resulted in an equivalently speedy performance and greater accuracy the following day, unlike their counterparts whose practice session was twice as long. So what do we do with this information? Does this mean we can all cut our practice by half? Well, I hate to disappoint, but that's probably not the answer. Ultimately, I don't think it's about counting repetitions or recommending half as many repetitions for students with ADHD as those without. And I don't think that the study is suggesting that folks with ADHD only need to practice half as much or that they can't practice more either. I think that all of this is essentially about the importance of knowing when to take a break and paying attention to your engagement and focus, pausing on occasion to see if you may have reached that point in a practice session where you're no longer practicing productively. Because whether you've been diagnosed with ADHD or not, continuing to practice beyond the point where you can really monitor the accuracy of each repetition in a thoughtful and analytical way, reflect, and aim for better the next time, could very well do more harm than good. Which is not an excuse to call it quits for the day, of course, just for the moment. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. 
And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.